Ladies and gentlemen, welcome again to the Trap Draw podcast. As always, my name is Randy, and I'm joined by Tron Carter, Mr. TC. How are you today? I'm great, Randy. I'm a little anxious for tonight. We've got some big basketball games tonight. Oh my gosh. It's I was thinking it might be the most excited I've been for an NBA regular season game in I can't tell you how many years. Of course, we're talking about your Kings. The Kings have uh the the 76ers, the East leading 76ers coming in for a uh a 10 p.m. Eastern tip. The Kings have won 7 of 8 TC. They're the current 7 seed in the West. Exciting things happening in Sacramento. You know you're talking to a guy whose whose squad is 19 and 5 right now. The Jazz. My Celts are playing my Jazz. House divided. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who who are we rooting for? Jazz. Jazz. They're, they're killing people right now. It's a, it's a little bit of a well-oiled machine right now. And for anybody wondering, I'm Hawks, Jazz, Suns, Celtics. Um, Who else? I've tried to dabble in the Pacers a little bit. <laughs> they, have a, they have a fun roster. Yeah. yeah. I need a— I like uh, Sabonis. I was going to say, I don't quite have an East Coast team. You uh, tried to effort the Magic for a bit, right? No. They just haven't been—there's nobody on that roster that— Intrigues me. Yeah, they need to tear it down, or yeah, and start over, or like fully commit. They're not doing either. Honestly, your your Hawks have a have a I can't really stand. intriguing roster. I don't like Trey Young though. I know, I know, um, and they have some really mediocre wings too. But the other team I do like is the the Grizz. I was uh, you've always been a Grizz guy. The Grizz guy, and uh, with, with Ja Morant going there, that's a that's a fun roster. TC, this is going to be exciting stuff tonight <laughs> in the association. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, Western Conference Player of the Week. First time in his career. He's uh, he's making a leap this year. So cool to see you, you know, making amends with Harrison Barnes. You were, you were so, so critical of him earlier in his career. And Yeah, I know. He's like the Rich Aurelia of the NBA right just now. Just giving you professional minutes. Such pro- professional minutes. Can kind of do it all, you know. You can, he can put him anywhere in the lineup. He can guard essentially anybody on the floor. Uh, he's making shots though, which he went about six years there between Dallas and Golden State. I don't think I ever saw him make a shot on uh, on television. So good to see him playing well. Sean Holmes too is another guy that's so much fun. He uh, high energy guy, pride of Bowling Green, and uh, just has this little push shot that's really become a weapon. So Kings are fun to watch. If anybody you know. Is is uh, looking for a team to adopt in the NBA? I, I, I can't speak highly enough about the Kings. Um, Maya Culpas from last. Have we week. even gotten to Mr. Jeezy yet? No, we. Gosh <laughs> darn it! Oh man, people are going to be so off guard. Let's let's throw it to him post haste. God, Jeezy, I'm. I gotta own this one again. I am sorry, dude. I I just get too excited. I got too excited talking about the Kings. TC, you got that was me my, going. That was on me. 
That was on me. I I didn't set you up for success there. Uh, you know, Jeezy's gonna be like, fool me once. You know, yeah. shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on shame on you. you can't fool me twice. Uh, yeah, I was saying mea culpas. Um, not a ton. I think it was fun watching people try to guess uh, Mr. Cody, codename Cody's occupation or role. Uh, what took him to Saudi Arabia? He's pissed that people have been calling him a CIA. Yeah, he doesn't like that. Not good. He's not a defense contractor. No, no. Come on, people. We One guy reached out and said we didn't cover any of the golf courses in the kingdom. <laughs> Which, yeah, huge mess on our part. Sorry about that. Noted golf hotspot, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, some Phoenix people were a little upset that we didn't shine enough light on Phoenix. Like, respectfully, guys, we're going to be there every year. Yeah. I mean, uh, heck, maybe we do it for the Charles Schwab Cup Championship. Exactly. Yeah, we're going to have opportunities this you know, year. The LPGA goes there. All sorts of opportunities for Phoenix. And we called it the overpriced, overseated capital of the world uh, in terms of golf, at least. Like, what else do you want from us? Yeah. <laughs> That's it, man. There's, pl- uh, there's plenty of good golf out in Phoenix. I want to go spend, spend, spend some time in Flagstaff. Seems like a cool spot. But, of course. Um, gosh, what else? What else we got going on? Do we need a choke points update? I know there's there's some things percolating off the coast. I have another mea culpa. Oh, yeah, please. We didn't effort Sheriff Joe. Yeah, I know. We probably should have, you know, I know you're a big Joe Arpaio guy out there. Well, he he's a, he calls him like he sees Judge, him out there. Judge, jury, executioner. Yeah, exactly. Um, that, that was a big miss. I, I think we both apologize for that. Um. Yeah, there's there's some there's some choke point stuff going on. Um, you know, following our, our man Huntsman Man underscore integrated on Twitter. Uh, big backlog at at the ports out on the West Coast. There's like an armada out, parked out there. Can't get any goods into the ports. Uh uh-uh. uh Can't unload them. Not big, good. Big time uh, ripple effects in, into I, inventory. I, I think our elephant shirts are out are sitting out there. Yeah, you're right. So well, next week's LA week, so we'll have to uh, we'll have to ask our guests. A little yeah. bit more about that situation. Uh, we got some huge news in the grocery store world. Yeah, t- tell the folks about that. Are you talking about Kroger uh, paying a hundred dollars to their? No, no, I wasn't. <laughs> Didn't we cover that last week? No, this was this was late breaking. Oh. Uh, Kroger's gonna pay a hundred oh, bucks man. to all their employees who get vaccinated. That's good. This was after this was on the heels of my. It's gonna you get know, chopped down with taxes. And- I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I, I feel like that's my. My activism uh, paying some immediate dividends. After they close those stores out in Long Beach. Exactly. exactly. Uh, no, Wegmans and uh, Wegmans is, you know, I, I've waded into this upstate New York thing. Wegmans is like the undisputed 800-pound gorilla, top dog. Just nobody even wants to challenge him. Well, it turns out Price Chopper and Tops are merging up there. Um, and trying trying to come at Wegmans now. I would I wouldn't guess that price a, a place called Price Chopper is all about a quality bespoke experience, but I could be wrong. It's an interesting play. <laughs> I, I respect them for uh, you know you come at the king, you best not miss. I <laughs> Price Chopper. I you know I respect the name Price Chopper because it kind of gives you. It's right there in the name, you know. You full expectation what on what you're on what you're getting. Yeah, it it might not be the highest quality, but but you know we're the price is as low as we can go. <laughs> we can't chop it anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, and actually had a couple couple uh, couple questions as to where I shopped when I lived in Boston. Mm. It, was, it was not a good grocery store scene up there. You had Shaw's, 
Um, you had uh, Star Market. And well, it's got to be tough downtown, right? Yeah. Like, there's a couple like what's it like the grocery markets. shop like in a big city? There was a Trader Joe's down the street, and it was actually underground Trader Joe's. You had to go underneath the, on there on Boylston, and then um, yeah, there was a Star Market that we used to go to over by Prudential Center. Gotcha. So, um, who's sponsoring this this week? Oh, our first one. Great. I'm glad. I'm so glad you asked, <laughs> TC. It is Whoop, our friends at Whoop. Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides personalized insights on the performance of your sleep, how recovered you are, and how much stress you put on your body throughout the day from both your workouts and the normal stressors of life. Uh, TC, I haven't been getting a ton of sleep. I'm, I'm kind of in that seven to seven and a half range, uh, but, but my recovery scores have been decent. So, you know... Taken all together, I, I feel like I'm I'm in an okay spot right now. Uh, how, I know I'm, you've been on the struggle bus a little I'm bit. I'm not. I'm it's drinking too much. I had a massive New York strip before bed last <laughs> night, so like I, I think my I think my strain was like 13 before I even woke Just up. Just trying to digest yeah. it. <laughs> Slept awful last night, um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get it back on track. So whoop, uh, they. If, you know, they have a strain coach, they have a sleep coach, these really cool features that uh, just give you better insights and allow you to set some targets both in your workouts and in your sleep patterns. Uh, right now, Whoop is offering 15% off when you use the code TRAPDRAW, all one word, TRAPDRAW at checkout. Go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com, enter the code TRAPDRAW to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter with Whoop today. Uh, we thank them very much. Uh, TC, what else is on our on our list to do here? I saw a, uh, a hacker hacked into a, a, a water plant, a water treatment plant here in Florida. Yeah, I sent that over to you yesterday. Uh, still developing. We're, we're monitoring the situation. It's a bit of a fluid situation. No pun intended. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the, the word was Oldsmar, which I guess is in the St. Petersburg, kind of Tampa, St. Petersburg area. Uh, they say they got hacked. Somebody got into the water treatment computer system change the chemical levels to, to where the, the water supply was was undrinkable. It would have been poisonous to everybody. Which I mean that's a wild Yeah. That that's a wild hack if that's in, indeed what it was. Dude, that's I think that's gonna be an interesting storyline over the next decade or two. Neil had me read this this book about the the power grid. Yeah. I don't know, five or six years ago. And like we are fucked, man. Just how exposed it is. Yeah, it's yeah. like this patchwork. <laughs> I mean, it is. It is like built on, you know, outdated nineteen forties technology, and then uh, it's crazy. I it's yeah. Wild. I was down that. Well, after I saw this story, I was down a, a rabbit hole a bit, and uh, they're saying essentially everything in our society is is getting hacked from like every different direction, twenty four seven. I, I don't know how this... And then it's just a matter of, like, if anybody actually wants to do anything nefarious. It seems right? like it. Yeah, like, they're bad hackers, good hackers. Well, and then now it's like, there's not even... They don't even really have to hack it, because now they're, they've got all these back-end, you know, these these side doors with all the, um, you know, that big, uh, was it, solar winds? That big hack, they, like, <laughs> exploited all sorts of 
Yeah. Know, side doors on that stuff. I don't know. Crazy, crazy I, stuff. I mean, it seems all the developers and software geeks are gonna right. be coming at us from all different directions here. But which we invite it. It's a, it's an area <laughs> where I know nothing about. But uh, yeah, it was like a James Bond uh, plot there yesterday. And uh, so we're gonna keep our eye on the situation in Oldsmar. Um, any any update on uh, on the on the city search? Oh my gosh, so many cities and areas are throwing their hat in the ring. Uh, Natchez, Mississippi, was offering six thousand a year. Natchez, Natch, yeah, tomato, tomato. <laughs> uh, who else was? Oh, Tulsa is giving away ten thousand uh, for people to move there. I talked to somebody who had applied for that program in real life, and they said they got denied, which is a the bit heartland concerning. is bucking its head. Yeah, um, where else? A little town in Italy I saw was was offering a sweet package. So things are percolating for sure. I, I think we're getting closer to maybe a uh, a preliminary shortlist. Okay. Uh, okay. I you know of course everybody is going to be the first to know on on this podcast. But uh, yeah, I, I'd say you know in the next couple of weeks certainly some things might shake out there. Okay. Meanwhile, Urban Meyer hired uh, Brian Schottenheimer as uh, as his passing game coordinator. And of course, late breaking R.I.P. Marty Schottenheimer. I was always a huge Marty fan. I was too. He got done so dirty in uh, a couple with the Redskins and the Chargers. I felt like oh, he had some good he Chiefs. Stud. He had some yeah. good Chiefs teams no, too. No. Um, he just I hate that. Uh, what do we know about Brian? Is that a good hire? Or, no, it's or, a terrible. Hire. <laughs> more of the same. I mean, yeah, like between his work with. Uh, the Jets and the Seahawks, uh, it's it's not good, Randy. It's not good. So, uh, what if Urban just flames out here? What if he's terrible? I mean, hopefully he does it quickly, right? He's gonna fake that heart attack, yeah. pronto. I mean, maybe this is all part of Shad's plan to to move the team to London. That could be too. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Uh. Should we talk about who we efforted? What, anything else we need to? Yeah, no, I think I think we've covered covered all of our all of our uh, our uh, housekeeping this week. Yeah, I'm trying to. I, I don't have anything else on my list of notes. Um, of course, it's uh, it's it's Pebble Beach week. It's it's Monterey Peninsula. I, I never know what like town or community. I feel. Like they're not well, Pebble cities. Beach is an unincorporated community, right? And we're, we're in Monterey County. We're working with a lot of different things no, here, no. Uh, and I don't particularly like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like it clean. I need one location. Um, you of course you've been to Pebble Beach. You say it's one of the most overrated places. <laughs> no, you're completely twisting my words. What? What do you, what do you tell I've the been people? A few times, but I just I played, I played Cypress in the morning, Pebble in the afternoon. And I could have done without playing Pebble in the afternoon. <laughs> take it away. Waiter, they, take they it away. They charged me, you know, 45 bucks for a double mm. double makers and ginger. Um, you know, the, the course was not in great shape when I played it. And, uh, you know, it's just – it was like a long, long round. And it's some of the best golf holes in the world. But the opening stretch and then, you know, kind of the – Get into the meat of the back nine. It could, it's just it could be a lot better, Randy. I think it. I think it could be one of the best golf courses in the world. But I'm not willing to. I'm not willing to give it that designation right now. Okay, listen, that's fair. That's fair. I've I've never. 
I've never even walked the golf course there. I've been in the area, of course, uh, yeah. tourist sauce, but I've never, never been on the the, the PBL, uh, the Pebble Beach links, of course. Uh, all right, you know TC, I got really excited uh, in in doing our extensive research for this week. I saw my man Art Bell was from the area. I don't really? know. I don't know. Did you ever listen to the Coast to Coast Art Bell radio program? No. Paranormal themed radio program, uh, <laughs> syndicated across the country. I was, I always listened to the radio going to bed. I had, you know, just that little bed stand uh, digital radio, and so it was always, um, you know, Reds games during baseball season. Then they do the the post game show on seven hundred WLW, and then that would roll into the trucking bozo, which was like a syndicated truck drivers talk show. Uh, but every now and again, I think especially on weekends, you would get uh, like deep in the night if I couldn't sleep or anything. It was Art Bell coast to coast. Anyway, he's dead, so we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't get him unfortunately. Which but it's funny that people you know people shout out like, my guy Art Bell. People were like, man, Tron, I like I got a mea call before you. Like you reached out to this guy, and like the reason that he didn't respond was because he's dead. Like no, like that's the that's the joke. That's the thing, right? <laughs> of course, except for. Kelly Preston, who we did apologize for. Apologize profusely. Legitimately did not yeah. know she was uh, yeah. RIP. Um, first guy on my list to reach out to, Pete Incavelia. Inky, glad you. I, he was on my list too. We were we were coming at him from two sides. Native of Monterey, uh, I think he's still floats around out there. Um, yeah, just a really you know. He, he kind of personifies late '80s, early '90s baseball to me. You know, oh yeah, kind of a beer league Gritty, body shape, yeah. uh, facial hair. Uh, had some big seasons. Yeah, that that would have been a cool one. He could mash. Um, of course, the the former mayor of Carmel. I think Clint Eastwood would have been. Yeah, could have talked about the civic of life. Of course, uh, he would have been excellent. Uh, I reached out to Jack Ainsworth, the um, the uh, executive director of the California Coastal Commission. Didn't didn't get back to us. Mm, hate that. Yeah. I, I had a note in with uh, Leon Panetta. I told him how, how big of a fan you were specifically. Massive fan. Uh, it got forwarded to secretary's office anyway. They they politely declined. So that you know that was a little bit of a shame. You know I'm a big sister cities guy. Yeah. Uh, this one makes a lot of sense. Uh, the sister city of Monterey, Dubrovnik, Croatia. Okay, I assume it's on the water. Oh, yeah, like one of the most gorgeous places in the world. Yeah. yeah. Have you been to Croatia? I've never been to Croatia. Yeah, they're on my honeymoon. Oh, that's that's yeah. cool. Yeah, we sailed. <laughs> we yachted. <laughs> uh, gosh, who else? You know, John Steinbeck? Yeah. Um, couldn't couldn't connect with him. Weren't able to connect with him. Um, Jack London, another former author. The franchise, massive Jack London. I can, yeah, I can Loves see that. Jack London, Call yeah. of the Wild. Um, Charles Schwab, of course, we wanted has to talk a crib to Chuck. Out there. Yeah, we even had some internal feelers. Uh, apparently, he's a little busy for yeah. for the trap draw, but they did assure us he listens. He's he's a he's a devoted listener. So, Chuck, shout out to you, um, James Lofton, the uh, the member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, wide receiver, right? I believe so. Yeah, he played for like everybody. Was he the guy f- with the Bills, or is that a different? Uh, yeah, he um, was like yeah, wide receiver Jim Kelly and born in Fort Ord, um, and then uh, went to Stanford as well. So, 
Um, yeah, just prolific, prolific receiver. Speaking of football, you know who spent some time at Monterey Peninsula Junior College? Uncle Juice? <laughs> Not Uncle Juice. Herm Edwards. Oh, yeah? Coach Edwards. Wow. Yeah. He played to win the game. Exactly. Uh, he would have been fun. I would love to have checked in to see how uh, his Arizona State program's going. Talk about the systems and all of that stuff it's going a, on down uh, there. It's a mo- it's it's a different model for program, right? Yeah, that's you, what they're calling it. You know what we never talked about? Speaking of the the Pac-12 and Arizona State football, my guy getting uh, relieved of his duties, stepping down, Commissioner Larry Scott. Oh. You're a big Larry Scott guy. Huge Larry Scott guy. I mean, he had one of the best griffs going in, in all of college athletics. He was he was expanding the Pac-12 into like China and Asia. Just an unbelievable uh, – just answering questions that nobody <laughs> anywhere was asking. Larry Scott, going to miss him. Um, anyway, sorry, that little aside there. Um, Nick Cunningham, Team USA Bob Sledder. Uh, 2010 and 2014 Winter Olympian. I know, I'm sure, uh, if, if NBC was on the call this week, they would be telling us all about it because they, they are deep in the bobsled update we, scene with the U.S. Bank Sports Desk. Well, do we know if he's a two-man or a four-man guy? Check it out. Both. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I would love to talk to somebody about bobsledding someday. Uh, any of those winter, uh, Ice track Super sports. Super niche sports. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, Jim Nance. You know, we'd be remiss if, if we didn't put a call in with, with Mr. Nance. He's, yeah. he's a bit busy preparing for the broadcast, so we understand that. Uh, Al, Al Bernardin, um, he invented the quarter pounder. Really? Yeah. He was an American restaurateur and businessman who invented the McDonald's quarter pounder in 1971 as a franchise owner in Fremont, California. He uh, he spent I, I I guess he lived lived in in Monterey for a lot of his life. Um, your girl Condi, of course, Condoleezza Rice. Yeah, big uh, big presence out there. And then uh, Alan Shepard, the astronaut. Oh yeah, lived, lived out there. Oh yeah, as well. And kind of similar to Palm Springs, so many actors actresses yeah. have spent time out there. It was it was hard to suss out. You know who actually knew their stuff, who didn't. Uh, we d- we didn't want to get you know any fluffers that were just <laughs> passing through the area. We also thought about you know, hey, do we reach out to Michael Bolton? Do we reach out to Kenny G? Do we reach out to Ray Romano, um, Gary Mule Deer? You know any of the Andy Garcia? Yeah. Um, who was the guy with the yo-yos? <laughs> oh God, Elk talked about him. Doing the yo-yo, take it away, mate. Take it all away. Oh. God, what was that guy's name? Oh, Tommy's Sm- Tommy Smothers. Smothers. <laughs> Tommy Smothers. Oh, he must have been one of the celebrity. Uh, he, was, he was just a. He was just an entertainer, right? Looks like he's an American comedian. Tommy Tom Smothers. Smothers. He's eighty-four. God, Elk was not a fan of Tommy Smothers. That's that's. If not the best, one of the best L kits on the uh, the Jim Rome show. Uh, Tommy Smothers his his uh, he had a show cancel. I'm just reading through his Wikipedia thing. Um, <laughs> so in nineteen in in the nineteen seventies, 
Smothers chided popular comedian Bill Cosby for not taking a stand on the political issues of the day, such as civil rights. Um, at the time, I was very volatile and I thought everyone should take a stand. I guess I said something that really pissed him off. For a couple of years after that, I'd say, hiya, Bill, how you doing? And he wouldn't shake hands with me. You know, like, fuck off. In October 1976, both Cosby and Smothers were in attendance at a Playboy Mansion party. Tension between the two culminated in Cosby punching Smothers in the head. <laughs> oh, there you I have would it. Would love to catch up with Tommy and and ask him about you know the, the cause these days. Uh, I see where he was a competitive unicyclist in his in his early years. That's he's unbelievable. He's a venter. He uh, he owns a winery up in Sonoma. Huh. Too. Uh, Remick Ridge Vent Venters or Vineyards. So, uh, who did we get? <laughs> um, I we have a great guest. In all honesty, I'm kind of glad all these people turned us down. Uh, we got Joanne Dost, Tour de Force. Who, if you don't know the name, I would bet good money that you have seen one of her photographs. You you have seen her work without realizing uh, who who the artist is. She is one of the preeminent golf landscape photographers anywhere in the world. Uh, she's lived in, well, we'll ask her, but she's lived out in Monterey for a few decades now. Just a ball of energy. I can't wait to talk to her. She uh, played golf in her in her earlier years. Renaissance woman. Yeah, and then just got into photography and self-taught, like became one of the best golf photographers anywhere. Uh, Deep in the scene out in out in. Uh, Carmel area um, knows it all. knows knows Clint Ansel Adams, you name it, you name it. Yeah, she sounds kind of like the mayor of the yeah. of the area. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's our guest. Let's um, let's get her on the line. Before we do, though, I want to thank uh, our other sponsor for today's episode. That's our good friends at DraftKings TC. Have you ever wanted to give yourself better odds on a winning bet? Yeah, every of course. every one I place. Uh, right, of course. Uh, well, DraftKings is giving you a chance to do just that. All players who place a bet on Sunday night's basketball game between the Lakers and the Nuggets will have a hand in lowering the over-under on that game. That's right. For every 1,000 players who bet the over on Sunday night's game, the over-under will drop by one point. Every better who hammers the over in Sunday's Nuggets-Lakers game helps to lower the games over-under. The best part is that even as the line lowers, the odds are going to remain at even money. That's right. You can double your money by hammering the over. Uh, and if that's not enough, TC, there is a huge title fight happening this weekend at UFC 258. Gun to my head, I couldn't tell you who that is. <laughs> I don't watch the UFC, but I'm sure a lot of people listening do. So don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, so much more all week long. Uh, DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Right now, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code TRAPDRAW, TRAPDRAW, when you sign up to hammer the over on Sunday night's game between the Lakers and Nuggets. For every 1,000 people that bet the over in Sunday's game, the line will decrease by one point. The Nuggets are, are spry, too. Of course. I like watching the Nuggets. This is your chance to improve the odds of the overhitting. So tell your friends, tell your family, TC, tell Peg Schuster, hammer 
the over. Uh, this is a real team effort. That's promo code TRAPDRAW for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or an Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or now in Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. Thank DraftKings for sponsoring the Trap Draw. And, uh, we're no, we're going to need a national hotline. Just one as, hotline. As more states just start con- legalizing this. Just consolidate it. Yeah. Uh, we're, we also need to talk to them. we got to get maybe some Jazz Kings uh, special, when do they special play bets going. Mm. Now you're asking the interesting questions. Uh, I don't think they've played yet this year. Check it out. Nothing scheduled? They don't play. So the NBA did something really weird where they only released like half of the schedule. Oh, they're going to read, yeah. Okay. And then based on like COVID and everything, they're going to they're gonna release. So uh, they should play at least a couple times late March, April. When it, when it matters. When it, exactly. And, you know, the way things are heading, they might be – Heading towards a uh, first round playoff matchup potentially too, so we'll have to get we'll have to get the DK folks involved if if that happens for sure. So anyway, we thank them for sponsoring the trap draw, and now uh, on to our conversation with Joanne Dost. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, now joining us on the line. Um, I know she lives in Monterey. California. Actually, I'm not even sure. She lives somewhere around the Monterey Peninsula in California, is our guest this week, Joanne Dost. Uh, Joanne, where where are you today? Uh, I'm actually up in Incline Village, up in Lake Tahoe. Oh, nice. Visiting a friend who used to live in Carmel, and um, it's her birthday today, so we're going to do some fun things a little later. Very good. Very good. And and where is uh, where is home for you out, out on the peninsula? Um, I live actually like 10 miles in, uh, I live, uh, in Carmel Valley. So close to Carmel Valley village, which not too many people realize how beautiful it is out there and all of the vineyards and wine tasting rooms that are out there. <laughs> so it's, it's a great, anybody that goes to the peninsula, they've got to vis- visit the village. There's it's a, really there's fun. a place near and dear to our heart in Carmel Valley, uh, the refuge. Every time we're out there, we go to the refuge. The uh, Carmel was yeah, the Carmel know, Valley you know, Athletic I, Association. I have friends that are members there that go there, and then you can get a, a, a massage and then be able to stay for the entire day for I don't know, like $125 or whatever. But um, I drive by it all the time because I have a mem- I'm a member at the preserve, and I drive through – yeah. the front gate of the preserve and the refuge is right there on the left, but I've never been to the refuge. Oh, so, oh my gosh. Yeah, but I know all about it, but I haven't been there. Post-COVID, you got to change that. I'm glad that. that you like it. It's a magical, magical place. They have the, the, the outdoor hot and cold pools. They have... Uh, Zero gravity chairs. The spas, the yeah. steam rooms. Oh, it, my God. Oh, it's amazing, Joanne. You got to go. I will, yeah. When you guys come, I'll take you up to my golf club, the San Lucia Preserve. It's a. It's on twenty thousand acres. You enter just past the, just past the refuge, and you kind of you go up to fifteen hundred feet, and you'll basically you'll see California. It's like California four hundred years ago. It's just an unbelievably gorgeous. And then there's a beautiful golf course back there in a hacienda that was built in nineteen twenty, and there's just tons of hiking and just all outdoor sports. 
would love to take you up on that someday. Uh, it's it's a an area I've been to a, only a couple times, and and each time uh, just immensely enjoy it. And what I guess where a good place to start is, let's go back. What how long have you been? Um, well, you said specifically Carmel Valley, but but more broadly, how long have you lived out, you know, in and around Monterey Peninsula? Um, probably for, per, first went out there before you guys were born. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I went out there. I, I grew up on the East Coast, and I um, I played sports, and then I really got into golf, and I got into playing professional golf, and I actually went out there to play in a mini tour tournament back in the – um, mid seventies. And, um, that's when I fell in love with it. And that's when I moved out there. So I've been out there for quite a while, but then short stay, I came up and was in Reno for a few years, but I went back to the peninsula. So pretty much on and off for several decades. Okay. So I know, it, I know it pretty well, but there's always, there's so much to do there. <laughs> yeah. And do you ever like, what's it like living in, you know, literally one of the most scenic areas of the world? Do you, does it ever grow tired do you ever well, you know find yourself kind of numb to it this last year it's been kind of strange this last year because I, I i normally with what i do with my work i travel close to a hundred thousand miles a year and last year um you know i i did a job in panama um in january into february and then for me to be home on the monterey peninsula for like one year without traveling that was pretty interesting <laughs> and so it was quite nice to be able to really be there for all four seasons, which we do have, you know, four seasons, but, um, uh, it was, it's just a beautiful place. There's always something to do. The weather is always great. Uh, the winter time, you know, we, we hope that we get the rain, but if we don't, it's, for instance, uh, just before my birthday in in January, um, we had a temperature, it was like 82 degrees. I mean, it was just unbelievable. So you just never know. I mean, we get great winters and of course the, kind of the coldest time that we have on the peninsula, not, not in Carmel Valley, but the peninsula is the summertime. It's when you get the fog. Um, <laughs> and you can always, everybody just, you know, if they want to really get into the sun, they just drive 10 miles out into the valley or they'll go out to where you guys went and go to the refuge. So there's always, there's always something to do. Random question. Flying 100,000 miles a year, like where do, you, where do you fly out of? you fly out of San Francisco or do you fly out of Monterey? No, I fly, I, I fly as much as I possibly can out of Monterey. But, I, I, you know, when I'm doing international flights, uh, like if, if I'm going to South Korea or to New Zealand or whatever, because um, uh, like this New Zealand flights later at night, so I'll probably just drive up to San Francisco in the afternoon because Monterey has, um, doesn't have as many connections, you know, so you don't want to be sitting around mm-hmm. and the lounge for you know eight ten hours so i will drive up but basically almost always out of monterey and believe it or not and all the years i've flown out of there i don't think once i think once i was hindered by you know fog meaning what happens is if you can't land they'll take you up to san jose but a lot of people they don't fly in there and it's just so much easier i mean they go they'll fly into san jose or they'll fly into san francisco to come down to go to pebble or whatever but it's really a great airport. And uh, my office is actually um, like a, for you guys, it'd be a, a strong forearm uphill. Um, it's up, up from baggage claim. It's the first, it's the first uh, street on the right. So it's, you know, I just go down to the airport and drop my stuff off, go up, park my car and just walk down. So it's quite easy. 
All right, Joanne, we, one of our favorite games. We're, we're going to ask you to power rank uh, the, the following little, uh, the, I don't know if you call them cities or, or towns in and around the peninsula. So you can, whatever criteria you want to use, but but you got to power rank uh, the, the following little, the little areas. Carmel-by-the-Sea, Monterey, Seaside, and Pacific Grove. So what do you want, like a number? Well, yeah, like your favorite to your least favorite. Um, well, okay. So my, my favorite would be, um, you said Carmel, Pacific Grove. Uh, Monterey and Seaside. And Seaside. Well, Seaside, I don't do too much in Seaside except go to Costco. So maybe that's really important. Okay. We're, then, that, that is quite important. <laughs> I want to circle back on that. Yeah, that's that's Costco's and Home Depot. That's very important. Okay. And of course, Staples. So, okay, well, I should put Seaside <laughs> up pretty high. Um, Pacific Grove. Uh, I love love Pacific Grove. I used to actually live over there, and um, that that would probably maybe would be I don't know. That might be my second. Probably my first would be Carmel. Um, cause I, I just, I love the little town of Carmel. I love going down to the beach. There's so many fun things to do in Carmel and Monterey. That's where my office is. So maybe I should put that up, up there. Um, but, uh, Monterey, there's also a lot to do in Monterey going down to the wharf, um, you know, going to the aquarium and that, this is a hard one. I, well, we're asking the difficult like questions here, one. Joanne. I mean, there's, I mean, there's something <laughs> you know, the, the commercial part of it is, you know, seaside. I'm going there and spending money. I mean, I you know, can't go into Costco without spending 200 bucks. I you know, can't go out the door without that. So, and Home Depot too. That seems to get me as well. But, um, no, uh, I guess, I guess that would be fourth. Then PG would be third. Monterey would be, you know, second. I mean, you know, so Carmel first. Any favorite restaurants in, uh, in, any of the above places that people next time we're out need to need to check out? Um, Vesuvio is, is, I love Vesuvio and in, um, in Carmel and seventh uh, and seventh uh, and Dolores, which actually used to be a bank. So it's, it's the, uh, um, you know, there are no street addresses, you know, in Carmel, no street addresses. You're just like between this, between that, you know, seventh and Dolores, you know, three doors down. So it's, you know, you just have to kind of walk around and find these places. La Bicyclette um, in Carmel, Bill Fanayo is great. The Tuck Box, um, they've gotten a lot of publicity recently because they were opening up and serving during the uh, COVID. So they've gotten a lot of, a uh, lot of publicity got in a little trouble, but a lot of publicity. Um, and then, uh, let's see, the whaling station down in Monterey is fantastic. Um, John uh, Pisto used to own that, along with Alba, Alba and Eddie's down on the wharf. We didn't talk about Carmel Valley, but uh, Carmel Valley has a great restaurant out there, um, uh, which is uh, the Corkscrew, which is connected with uh, Joris Winery. And they also own uh, Casanova, which is a fantastic restaurant in Carmel. Uh, sorry, I never realized Carmel, they don't have street addresses there? No, no. try being a UPS driver. Well, there. that's, yeah, how do they, how do they get mail? Is it? Uh, well, most people, they go, um, they go to the post office. Uh, so they, they get their, they get their mail, po the post office. But if you're a UPS driver, a FedEx driver, that's like the most difficult route because you just have to learn all the homes. I mean, they're all named like treetops and, you know, seaside and this and that, but they've got names and they're like, 
they're between this and that <laughs> descriptions. So, but, but male, male inside the confines of the, the town of Carmel, I mean, the Carmel by the sea, excuse me, there's Carmel and then there's Carmel by the sea. So the little town is really Carmel by the sea. You get your mail at the post office. So that's kind of, that's the big social place too. That's where everybody goes to see everybody. Sure. And, sure. Um, but no, it's, it's not easy to, you know, to, to find a, someone's home in Carmel by the sea. Other address in Carmel, I mean, they do have addresses on streets, but it's Carmel by the sea that's got that designation. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, well, I, I know we want to ask you a lot more specifics about Carmel, but if you don't mind, can we, can we jump into a little bit of your backstory? And you mentioned you, um, came out to Monterey initially playing golf. Uh, just for the folks listening, can you touch on uh, you excelled as a junior and then played professionally for a bit, both uh, on the LPGA and Australian tours? Can you talk about that? Uh, yes. Um, actually, uh, it was kind of interesting. I was um, work. I, I ended up. I had a scholarship to to go to college, and I um, I decided not to take it at the last minute. It was I was going to go to Odessa um, College, and it was either that or Arizona State, but I had a Odessa at the time actually is one of the best schools. Um, Kathy Whitworth went to school there and played, but it's a two-year school. And um, the coach from University of Maryland saw me play, and he ended up being the uh, getting the job out there. So he got me on the team. But the last minute, I canceled, and I ended up my getting married, and my husband was a golf pro. So I went into the business with with a golf shop. You know, um, had you know. I did want to play professionally, but I thought, okay, fine, I'll get married. So I went into the business. He was a golf pro. I learned, you know, how to teach and so forth. And then things kind of went awry with, <laughs> with the marriage. And I swear to God, this is the honest <laughs> God truth. Golf World Magazine, I'm sitting in the golf shop and things are not going really well with my marriage, right? And my husband's, you know, out playing golf with the members and I'm sitting there scrubbing golf clubs in the back room. I'm going, Something, something's wrong and just things weren't going right. So I'm looking at Golf World Magazine and I see in this little sidebar ad that this patron is starting a tour in Australia and um, they're willing to, they want to bring some American players in and they're willing to pay, you know, airfare and, and, you know, they'll take care of you when you get there. I'm like, this is absolutely too good to be true. I'm going, what do I have to lose? So I contact <laughs> this guy and I end up having a ticket in my, you know, back then it was Western union or whatever to get something quickly. So I end up having a ticket in my hand in two weeks to fly to Australia, to Adelaide, which was the first first place where I actually ended up, that's where I started. So I tell my, my now my former husband, I just say, look, I am going to leave in order to get a divorce in, in the state of Virginia at the time, which is where I was, you have to, um, you have to be separated for a full, for a full year, which was perfect. You know, I'm going to go to Australia <laughs> and I'll play. So he just said, you can't leave. You can't even get a credit card in your name. I said, no, that's okay. Don't worry about it. So I went in the back room, wrote myself a check in the, in the checkbook. And I said, get me to Dulles airport. I'm going to Dulles and I'm going to fly to Australia. Well, holy God, the flight was, you know, like 24 hours by the time I got there. And I was in, and I'd never been out of the country. I'd really never even been, you know, west of Mississippi. So I get to Australia and I play on the Australia tour. Um, I kind of I split, played with Jan Stevenson. Um, I ended up playing all over the country and, a lot of the LPGA players from the United States, uh, Donna Capone Young, Joanne Carner, Whitworth, all these players came over 
and um, played in the Australian Open, which I didn't even know what Royal Melbourne was. You know, we played the compositors. I finished fifth in the Australian Open against <laughs> those players. Couldn't believe it. And Chaco Gucci, which was a great player in Japan. So anyway, that's so I played in, in uh, got incredible amount of, um, of uh, experience. Came back to the United States, got a divorce, uh, working on my golf game in Florida. I was waiting tables. You love this guy, you guys. I was waiting tables, and um, Lee Trevino was staying upstairs in, in the suite. Well, who knows? You know, things happen for a reason. He came down, and I'm waiting on his table. So we're talking, and he says, hey, why don't you come out tomorrow and watch me play? So I went out and watched him play, and he said, you know, and I'm watching him for the full weekend. He wins a damn tournament. So he says, come on up, you know, we're going to have a little party upstairs. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is incredible. So I go up there, and then there wasn't anybody there but his manager, me, and like one other person. And all of a sudden, these people call on the telephone. And he says, oh, you farmer, you dirt farmer. Well, it's this big guy from Augusta, right? So he turns to me, and he says, Joanne, you want to go to Augusta this year? And I said, are you kidding me? Of course. This is unbelievable. <laughs> so because Lee, Lee ended up. His wife would never go, um, Claudia. So I got to go to Augusta to watch Lee play. And I stayed in these farmers' homes, the really good friends of his. So I watched, went and watched Lee play at Augusta, which was unbelievable. And then um, I was coming out to California to play in a mini tour tournament. And Lee told me to uh, just stop off in um, El Paso. And he'd work with me on my golf game. So he did, and I came, he, you know, we would go and hit balls at Santa Teresa Country Club, which is, he co-designed that, and, uh, but it hadn't opened yet, so we were sitting there, and his Doberman Pinscher was over on one side, and there was a big, you know, um, pile of golf balls, and we're hitting balls and practicing, and he said, okay, we're going to go play a money match at El Paso Country Club, so I'm like, oh my God, so he's my partner, and we played a money match, and (laughs) I, I can't even believe I was, I have to pinch myself that I was able to do this stuff, right? So, and he worked with me on my sand game and I became a really good sand player on tour. So from there, <clears throat> I went on out to California. And that's when I first got in, introduced to the Monterey Peninsula, played in a tournament there and I ended up winning it. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to move here. So I went back to Florida and I packed everything up. And, and uh, so I was actually like renting a room from someone in, um, in Pebble Beach. And I could walk from the house through this little walkway, and I was on the eighth tee box at Spyglass. So I would carry my clubs, and at that time, you know, I could play at Spyglass. So Spyglass ended up being my home course when I played on tour. And the best I could ever shoot at Spyglass, carry my golf clubs. You know, that's a tough golf course. And for a woman, like off of the white tees, I shot, I think it was 75. And that was like the best. But that's, that's how I got myself there. It's an interesting story. And, and Lee has been a super good friend ever since. And uh, he really, really helped me with my game. And um, that, then I ended up going to the LPGA qualifying school several, several times, missed it. Uh, but then I did qualify and um, ended up playing for like oh, five, about five solid years. So that's kind of the background. That's how I got there. And then as far as LA, like <laughs> – after your five years, were you just kind of ready for something new or was there a natural transition? Yeah, you know what? Transition? You know, it, I, I could have kept going. I was, I was a good player. I mean, I played like in the uh, 
uh, Canadian Open at Royal St. George's. I was leading the tournament after the first couple of rounds. You know, I shot my lowest round ever in, under, you know, in competition. I shot 67 on a par 73. So basically, basically it's like 66. Um, but, you know, if you couldn't pull those top tens off all the time and, you know, staying and being able to make enough money to pocket enough to, to live off, you know, off tour when, when we're off and then being able to carry yourself through the next year, it was all you were doing was just, I feel like you were a politician. All you're trying to do is raise money. You know, you're just trying to raise money just to keep playing. And I just like, God, there's gotta be more to it than this. And I had been introduced to photography and um, actually one of the players on tour was got her degree in photography and uh, she, uh, Peggy Connolly, and she really got me going when we were on tour. I was just trying to document what, you know, playing and so forth and i just at, at one point i was playing in a in a mini tour tournament after between the tours <clears throat> between the end of the lpga and the winter just to earn some money and it was down in um i think it was him at california and i was leading this tournament all i had was a three foot uphill putt which is easy right and i pushed it outside the cup to go into a three-way playoff and i finished second my twisted sister on my shoulder said you're quitting. This is it. No more. You don't need to play this game anymore. Forget it. And I did. I totally quit. I'm like, what am I going to do now? And I thought, you know what? I think I'll try my photography. So that's what I did. And believe it or not, I, I ended up starting shooting for the, L, for the USGA. I did all their championships. I ended up shooting, ended up getting, uh, um, started shooting golf courses around the Monterey Peninsula and um, the head of the USGA um, magazine uh, hired me to shoot the 1980-81 Walker Cup matches at Cyprus. So I ended up shooting that. And uh, I'll never forget, forget um, Bob Summers was walking around the golf course with Herbert Warren Wynn. And Herbert Warren Wynn just always loved to pull your chain. And he just turned to me and he said, you never did anything like this before. How do you, how do you think that you can shoot this for the USGA? This event? <laughs> I'm going, I'm like one of those people. You just push me in a corner like that. And I just said, okay, watch it. And so I ended up getting like the double page spread, the cover, the whole nine yards. So actually, actually I thanked him because he really pushed me. And, um, you know, he was an amazing guy. I couldn't believe him met Herbert Warren Wynn. I mean, I got, I just am so thankful for my, career um so from there what i did is um i ended up um putting my hat in the ring to shoot the 1980 82 u.s open book which uh clint eastwood was handling that um and it was for the you know pebble beach for the open and it was uh so um you know i nobody i'm like a has-been golf pro and all these photographers are out there Brian Morgan, all these top photographers, and who am I? Um, well, uh, I ended up, I knew uh, Ansel Adams' technical uh, assistants, and I knew his personal um, secretary, and I was at an event um, in Carmel. It was, you know, it was an event at the Sunset Center, and Ansel Adams was there, and Brett Weston was there, all these, like, icons in the photography business. You know, they're, they lived in the area, but <clears throat> they were at this cocktail party, and so... Mary Allender, his personal assistant, came over and says, Joanne, Clint just asked Ansel to shoot for the shoot the US Open book, but he doesn't do that. Why don't you just give me a call tomorrow and I will 
get you an appointment with Ansel at the house down in the Yankee Point, and maybe he'll select you to do it. I'm going, you got to be kidding me. So now I just said, great. So I end up going down to Ansel Adams' house. It's like sitting, it would be, it would be like going to, to sit at Ben Hogan's home, in, you know, compare it to golf, right? So I'm down there and I show him my portfolio and things that I'd done at Pebble and other things. And he just, you know, he's telling stories and scratching his head like he did. And he said, I'll call Clint tomorrow. You can do it. So I got the job. So I ended up um, having to report to Clint Eastwood every two weeks to show him what I was doing because it was not only shooting Pebble Beach, but it was shooting all, there were four, there were four, um, co-chairs of the U.S. Open at, at Pebble. It was Darius Keaton, a member at Cyprus, Leonard Firestone, you know, um, Firestone Rubber, and a member at Cyprus, and um, President Gerald Ford and Clint. And, and so what it was was all four of those guys collectively, all the golf courses in California that, that they belonged to, they wanted their golf courses in this book to go along with Pebble Beach. Okay, great. So this book had no <laughs> advertising in it. They just went to all their corporate friends. They put up their money and they funded this book. And of course, Ping wasn't too happy because, <laughs> and all the other advertisers, because there was no advertising in this book. And uh, so anyway, I, I ended up working with Clint Eastwood. He would look at what I was, I mean, it was for three months because I went all over California to shoot these golf courses. And that's what just catapulted what I'm doing today in my career. And Clint has been instrumental and a friend ever since unbelievable <laughs> that is truly <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> I, and, and, and this whole time you're just you're just constantly getting getting better and more technically proficient or were there were there times during this process when you're like holy shit what? i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> <laughs> i just learned by reading and asking questions yeah you know i would just ask questions that's what I learned. I learned, you know, when I'm, and I love to shoot, you know, major golf championships and tournaments and things like that. You know, having been a player and being inside the ropes and then being able to look inside a viewfinder and seeing, you know, someone at impact and, you know, just all the various parts of a golf swing. And I'm, I loved all that part of it. And um, I would go in when I was doing tournaments and so forth. And I'd be sitting at tables, you know, with these top uh, Sports Illustrated photographers and, you know, UPI and AP and, you know, all you know, LA Times, all these guys, and I would just sit and have lunch with them and just ask them a million questions. And, you know, Golf Digest guys, all the Golf Magazine guys, all that. And um, then I would go out in the field with them and just kind of get my knees in the dirt next to them. <laughs> and they all took me under their wing. It was great. So I really learned a lot. It was fun. So, and then I, you know, kind of segued out of doing a lot of tournaments, which I've probably done three, three hundred plus tournaments. Um, into doing, you know, fine art photography and, and books and, you know, course photography and things like that, which allows me to do all the traveling. Did, did you ever want to, and, and have you branched outside of golf photography or, well, you know, like for instance, at the San Lucia preserve at my club, you know, up there, I mean, they've got a question, they've got, they've got hiking, you know, they've got fantastic, beautiful homes. And, you know, so beautiful clubhouses. So I've gotten into doing architectural photography, which I loved. I studied a little bit of that in school. And um, I mean, I studied architectural drawing and so forth, but I, I love, you know, 
the photography, the architectural photography. So yeah, I love all doing all that. I love doing just pure landscapes and, you know, ocean shots and just all of that. And, you know, golf is just, a, just, it happens to be a, a golf course happens to be in a beautiful landscape. So, you know, I just love doing whatever. And, and, and photography is all about understanding light. It's all about light. And that's why, you know, the Monterey Peninsula is fantastic because light and moisture in the air and, you know, like being in New Zealand and being in Scotland and, um, and Ireland and all those places, you get just changeable conditions and you coolable clouds and, you know, you know, shafts of light and all that. So it's all about lighting and understand lighting. So um, that was the one thing I, I learned, really learned about photography living, you know, living on, on the Monterey Peninsula. Looking back at your early work, obviously you have a natural eye and a natural, you know, just sense of this stuff. But looking back at your early work, if you could teach yourself uh, or or go back and change something, like, do you still look at your early work and say, like, that that looks very similar to what I shoot today? Or has it really evolved over the years? Uh, it's, it's, it's really evolved. Um, I mean, I've gotten into doing a lot of abstracts in photography, which I just love doing that especially i've gotten more into drone work but you know when i first started it was all it was all film mm -hmm. so i mean that was that actually was easy because you know at the end of the day you're on a job you just hand your film off to the lab you go to have a nice dinner you, you, know, you go <laughs> have a nice sleep you know you don't have to worry about sitting by the you know behind the computer for another five hours you know processing your own work you know because the client wants to see something in the morning um so um Digital has, has made it, for the photographer, there's a lot more work and a lot more studying and a lot more really, you know, a lot of work, you know, to get to really fine tune that. So, um, I, you know, looking back, I've... I've In 1991, actually, I, I, I did a, a piece and it was done, uh, I did it from a helicopter uh, and I did it... Um, with a medium format camera and I shot the 15th hole at Cyprus, uh, it's an aerial and that ended up being a limited edition piece. That was one of my most famous pieces. Um, so, you know, it was, I mean, it was a wonderful shot of the 15th hole with beautiful light breaking in the morning. So, um, you know, looking back, I was just thrilled. I don't know if I could ever do anything as good today, but, um, you know, with, with the equipment that we have today, uh, there are a lot of things um, that it's easier to photograph today uh, with the equipment we have today as opposed to, to what I had uh, before. And, and the part that you can process everything yourself now and get things out quickly is, is great, uh, but it is it's still, it's still a lot of work. Do, do you think it's as much of an art form today or is it a little bit more mechanical with the digital equipment and being able to go in, you know, on a computer in post-production and, and really uh, tinker with photographs? Um, it's, it's still, it's still an art form because I, the way I am, I mean, I grew up kind of at the F64 group, which is, which was Ansel's group. And, and basically F64 was the focal length of their four by five camera or their eight by 10 they're four by five cameras. So it's really, really precise. I, I only use, I only use my computer to try and bring out the way, because it's still, when you photograph with your, with digital, it's still in, basically a negative. It's not been processed yet. So you still, it's still not going to bring out the nuances of what your eyeball saw. 
So what I try and do is just bring it out as naturally as I possibly can. I don't, you know, some people tweak the colors like it's really so, and it just looks fabricated. It just looks like they really worked it in the computer. I don't really like to do that. Um, I mean, I might, I may, I most likely will go in and if I have to, I'll clean up divots. Um, you know, I try and make the superintendent <laughs> and the owner look as good as they possibly can. I will take out, uh, I'll take out, uh, I'll leave those natural rakes that some of those clubs are using now, the wooden rakes that kind of look kind of cool. Um, but I really take out all the rakes and I take out, I just take out everything that I try and make the owner first, first the superintendent, because my image is it's the superintendents, you know, they want them to look good. And, uh, so I try and, um, make clean things up as best I can, um, for, for that. And then, um, uh, you know, for the owner as well, but I never try and do, I never try and. I'm really careful about what I shoot. And a lot of times I'll not do an angle because when I'm there doing a photo shoot, it just doesn't look that great. And maybe the better place to do it, but I just digitally would just take hours and hours and hours to try and fix it. And then it may not look quite right. But, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, my business partner is just, he wrote the book basically. He's an expert, expert in, um, in the uh, computer. For me, I don't. I do as much as I need to do to be able to give to the client and let them see it. But I mean, I could spend all my time just in the computer and then lose sight of creating images out outdoors. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's so much there. So I just and same thing. Like you know, I've had to learn all about you know flying drones and learn all about all that and you know uh, studying for the Part 107 license testing and all that and had pilots working with me in the past because um, I would film and my pilot would fly but now I'm doing a lot of the flying myself <clears throat> so I'm studying you know to get my part 107 license but um, yeah I mean what's really fun about photography you can never learn at all I mean you're always thing. <laughs> I mean you try and keep it as simple as you can to get your work done but it's just like the golf swing I try to keep my swing as simple as I could, and the same thing with photography. There's so much, and there's so much that you can always be studying, and it's it's you know it's really it's really fun to be able to learn so much all the time, and just get get better and better. So, oh, um, yeah. and it and the thing is that um, you know with iPhones and all these other you know um, you know with with the various uh, uh, cell phones and things and the way that they can take photos, it's allowed. Well, it's killed the market. It's killed the market for Nikon for their for their little cameras and things. Um, uh, they, they, you know, they're doing okay with their professional lines, but um, now more, you know, so many people are photographing and they're just basically keeping pretty much everything on their phones and so forth. So um, we're finding now that um, with this whole new generation, they're not buying as much art. Um, you know, the older uh, generation is buying the art, but um, people are. You know, they're just they're it's, it's more disposable and they're just keeping things on their phones and on their iPads and on their computers so it's, it's a whole different it's a whole different marketplace and you have to you have to kind of move your whole business model to to meet what where you are and we're doing we're doing my business partners I have two of them and we're doing more and more um, just fine art golf golf books for clubs so um, that's kind of where our thrust is now going back to like you know back in the 
eighties and nineties using helicopters to like, mm-hmm. is, is that basically like, do you, do you schedule a helicopter for, a, you know, a whole day or two and, and then take it up when the light is good? I mean, it's, it just seems like such, like such a gargantuan, uh, well, those guys know, yeah. I mean, my, the helicopter pilots that I work with, I, you know, they, I mean, and I also, I have pilots, you know, various places around, you know, around the country, different places in the world that, um, and sometimes I'm very fortunate that my clients own helicopters. So yeah, I get the helicopter whenever <laughs> I want it. Yeah. So like in New Zealand or, you know, um, where I was over a certain place over in Ireland or Ireland and so forth. But, um, no, what you do is, I mean, like if you're, I'll take the doors off. So I'm, I'm usually in the back and I'm, I'll be using like a, um, oh, it's a four seater and you'll, uh, but they're like $650 an hour or more. So what you do is you, you really zone, you, you zero in on the time you want to go up and you're zeroing in on the, what's going on with the weather. And the moment, um, the moment that helicopter turns the key on, you know, you're paying until the moment those those blades mm-hmm. end, you know, when they, because there's like a two minute uh, um, shutdown on, on those aircraft. So, you know, your time, let, let's say in Monterey, I'm, I want to take one over Pebble Beach. I have to go, either I have the pilots and they're over in Watsonville. They, they either fly over and pick me up at, at Monterey Airport, which can be problematic because then they have to circle if there's aircraft coming in. So I'm paying for them circling if they can't land right away to pick me up. So the best thing for me to do is to, to drive all the way over to basically over to Watsonville, get on the aircraft there. We ferry it over to to Pebble Beach, which the ferry is, is 20 minutes, you know, if it's about 15 minutes. And, you know, we may take a swipe and go over and shoot Bayonet Black Horse, just a little quick little thing or whatever. But we'll just head right over and we start, you know, and I have it all you know, worked out and I've got to have all the permissions in line, you know, to do it, um, to photograph wherever I might be. Uh, cause you know, you have to be really careful. You gotta be really careful now with the Marine, uh, reserves, you know, flying over the ocean. You've got to be at certain heights and so forth. Um, so anyway, it's all, it's down to the minute figured out. And the, what happens is, is if, if the weather comes in or there's fog rolling in, they're used to it. It's not like you have to, you know, you can call a half hour before, hey, look, I'm going to come over, but the fog's here at Pebble. So we're going to have to cancel for now. We're going to have to pick it up later. So they're used to that. Yeah. So you don't have to, like, you know, hold for a whole day, which is pretty darn expensive. Are, what's does that, that answer your question? <laughs> yes, does that it does. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's awesome. What, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the way it works. You've, you've been all over the world. Uh, in your opinion, what's the most naturally scenic golf course? Oh, geez. Um, probably, probably over, uh, Cowrie Cliffs in New Zealand, um, Cape Kidnappers, unbelievable, um, cause they did a lot of work for Mr. Robertson, which got me to New Zealand, uh, uh, first off. And now I've been working with Mr. Kane at, uh, Terry, which is unbelievable along the coast. So I was very fortunate from that from the year 2000, um, uh, Mr. Robertson, um, I was fortunate enough to fly on his aircraft. Uh, his private aircraft and he's a member at Cyprus as well and they would they um, I would go over on a lot of the site visits with Tom you know when Tom was Tom Doke was over at uh, Cape Kidnappers and um, and then I would go and stay with them up at um, Cowrie Cliff so they had when we got over there they had their own helicopters so I did a lot of helicopter work over there 
So um, they, they, I've never seen anything like that where they, you know, like at Cape Kitten Heifers, where you sit, the golf course is sitting in these holes go out on these fingers that go out over the ocean and you look over the edge and it's 400 feet down to the beach and it's like, oh my God, it's just <laughs> unbelievable. And the same thing at Cowrie Cliff, it's just so spectacular and I'd never seen anything like that before. Even though Pebble is gorgeous, Cypress is gorgeous and all that, but, um, and, and New Zealand, I totally fell in love with it because it's so much like California and like Como Valley and like, you know, there's just everything in, in New Zealand. So um, very, very similar to a lot of the, the beautiful things that you see in California. So I'm kind of partial to that because I spent so much time over there. Where, still do. Where's somewhere you've been where you were, you were surprised at how, how taken by it you were? Like, uh, just, you know, you, you kind of went over thinking, Hey, this is going to be just another job. And you ended up thinking, man, this is, this is an incredible place that I never would have thought. Oh, you know, actually I had no earthly idea last year when I went to Panama. Um, I was like, I was just blown away by how beautiful the country was and how beautiful this, the location of this golf course was. It was way up, um, that, you know, Panama basically, you know, it's an isthmus, the whole country is like is an isthmus. So where we were in a little town of Buquete, which is kind of like the Carmel, I suppose, of of, of um, Panama, um, we were up like 1,500 to 2,000 feet. So we were way up and, you know, we're, it, it's tropical and the, um, the, the golf course, there's so many flowers and we're in, it's a golf course also that was a, a, a coffee plantation. So I'm photographing the coffee plantation with the owner. I had a videographer with me. So I was just blown away about how beautiful it was. It's called Lucero, L-U-C-E-R-O, and it's a resort and, and club um, in Buquete, B-O-Q-U-E-T-T-E, um, Panama. And the weather there is just incredible weather. So, um, and, you know, it's just, you know, oh, boy, that coffee was fantastic. Oh, God, great. <laughs> You know, I, I do love coffee and I do love wine, but um, kind of go together. But at any rate, no, I was surprised. I was really surprised last year. And I spent like four, like 14 days there, two weeks. And then, of course, I came home and boom, we, you know, the COVID hit. And of course, you know, everybody's been shut down. What? Uh, all right. This might be a, an impossible question, but do you have a favorite shot of yours? Um, oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I, I did, I, I, I did this really cool shot. It's not even, it's kind of weird. Um, I, I shot at, uh, uh, it's one of my favorites at, um, Cowrie Cliff during the, um, during the, uh, matches that they had there. It was the, um, kind of the young guns matches they had there and it was, um, Anthony Kim and it was, um, oh God, uh, may, um, Hunter Mahan and uh, who are the other guys? Anyway, they were walking. The four guys they were walking, and it was like they're walking off off the cliff into the ocean. I was behind them with a big, with a long lens, and it was four guys with four caddies, and they were they were all walking, and it was just and it was like an infinity fairway, and they just looked like they were walking off the the cliff, you know, before they were going to drop four hundred feet. That was really cool. I don't even know how I caught that, but it was just. And they got it up in the clubhouse at uh, at Cape at uh, Cape Kidnappers and Calorie Cliff. But it was an amazing event. Uh, Anthony Kim ended up winning that. He won like a million dollars. It's unbelievable. <laughs> How's your game yeah. these days? 
Um, you know, I got my amateur standing back, and I don't. I only play in like member guests. You know, like our member guests at the preserve, and it's fun. I love to. I love to uh, just um, instruct my friends. You know, when we're playing together, and just you know, encourage them to to play and and uh, um, just cheerlead. And it's it's just really fun. Lucero, I'm looking at this place in Panama with the tree houses and. This course looks really, yeah, really cool. It's, it's, yeah. got, it's got a great treehouse there. It's, um, it's just amazing. I was blown away. I knew I would have found out later. Because I asked the superintendent, I said, hey, come on, are there any? Because when I do, actually on that, that job, I did mainly almost everything I shot, except my videographer, because we did, you know, with his, his video equipment. But I shot almost all my stuff with um, with my drone, meaning all my aerials and so forth. And he was, he was doing a drone, but he was also doing all the video work and we were doing audio and so forth. But I was asking the superintendent, I said, you know, are there any snakes here? And oh, no, 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 it's fine. Well, hell, I found out later there were like, like these gigantic <laughs> anacondas or whatever, you know, they, they, you know, like 15, 20 foot uh, snakes that were down in the coffee, you know, every year they would machete us bunch oh. of them you know when the coffee people, people were down there picking the coffee beans and i'm like oh my god had i known that you know cause there's, <laughs> there's big snakes but you know i i have run into that that's the other thing all the poisonous snakes i've run into in all my years photographing that's, that's another that's another subject Ugh, but i, I uh, hate you, snakes you, you, yeah. oh god i've run into so many rattlesnakes and mojave rattlesnakes and i've been lucky though so and and you know like mountain lions and things like that and bears and oh god it's it's you know you just get you know being a photographer you're you, i've socially distanced my entire life being a photographer anyway because i'm usually always kind of out by myself but uh you're just always aware of nature and i i would never put a set of you know i'm not like the young kids today i would never have a set of earbuds in my ear when i'm out working because i want to hear the hawk i want to hear the eagles i want to hear all the everything that's going on and I want to also be able to hear that guy, you know, with the big gang mower coming up on me. So, um, but yeah, it's, I've always really gotten in tune with nature when I'm working. So it's kind of, it's a real, in, that's a real important point for me to be able to express myself with whatever I'm shooting is to really get in tune with nature. It's kind of a Zen thing. Yeah. So it's kind of neat. Let's circle back to, the, the Monterey Peninsula, uh, you mentioned... Yeah, I was going to give you some restaurants <laughs> and things like that. Of course, yeah. Uh, well, I got to ask you, you mentioned the Costco and Seaside. Are there any other good <laughs> supermarkets that you shop at? What's the grocery scene like? Uh, well, you know, at the, at, down in the Crossroads area, um, they just upgraded their, the Safeway, and it, it's, believe it or not, for a Safeway, it, it's great. <laughs> and um, it's uh, the Crossroads area, which is right there, Highway One and um, Rio Road. I think we parked then, our like, RV there when we were out there last. Yeah, exactly right. Did. Yeah, yeah, you, you probably did. And there's the crossroads there, and then the barnyard is is close by. But for instance, like if if, if someone were in Carmel and they and they want to get out of the beach or whatever, um, go to Nielsen Brothers, uh, which is a great little um, you know market in Carmel, and Bruno's Market in Carmel is terrific. And then there's a, a great cheese shop in Carmel because it's kind of cool because people go and they, you know, they get their picnic baskets and all that. And then they go down that fantastic beach. And um, uh, then they've got, um, you know, you got a whole food right there at Del Monte Center. Uh, and then we've got two Trader Joe's. Great. Um, up in Pacific Grove. Oh, we've got a Trader Joe's. And then we've got one downtown, more, um, 
Monterey. And then if anybody's in Pebble Beach and they want to go to the market there, right there at the, you know, just past the lodge, right near the um, uh, the visitor center now, they just built a new visitor center. Have you seen the visitor center at Pebble Beach since yeah, there? Yeah, I was out there last, uh, or end, yeah. I, was, I was out there end of 2019. So I think they had just... Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah it's really nice. And, um, you know, right there by the visitor center is the 17-mile drive market. And the market there is great, great sandwiches and all that. So... Um, you know, that's a fantastic uh, place to go and grab something when you're in, in there if you want to get out of the beach or whatever. But there are all kinds of cool little smaller markets. Um, but you know what I didn't tell you? Some, when someone goes there and very, a lot of people forget about it or not even know about it, one of the greatest state parks probably in the world, I mean, we, we have states, but in the United States, but probably one of the greatest parks in the world is Point Lobos. And uh, that is just I mean, that's what you're looking out towards when you're at the 18th hole at Pebble. Yeah. But if people just go down the coast um, and go, did you ever, guys ever go to Point Lobos State Park? No. I. Oh, my God. I know. I, like, we did not get out there. Because, yeah, because, I mean, you see everything imaginable growing there, and it's just spectacular uh, um, walks, and um, it's just, unbelievable it's, it's just incredible for photography too and it's a state park and a lot you know you can drive in there but a lot of times people park out on highway one which they don't want them to do that but it's only it's only like a five minute drive from carmel it's just down from where you park the, your rv you, know, you just get out on highway one it's just down like five minutes on the right on mm. um, that and people you know a lot of people obviously will go to the aquarium but boy if you really want to see nature um, you go to Point Lobo State Park. And the other big thing to do, if you really want to have a great experience, which I do a lot for my, on my birthday, because my birthday is January 19th, many times I'll, I'll go whale watching. You go down to the wharf, and there's several boats there, but you get the boat that, that you can um, get up on the upper level. And, oh, it's like $40 a person, but it's incredible. We've had so <laughs> many whales this past year. We get whales summer and winter, so it's like whenever anybody goes to the Monterey Peninsula, they pretty much can see something, some whales, some some type of whale will be running at that point. I, and, I, um, I would love to go whale watching someday. I, I've never done that. I did it in Boston oh, a few times, or out of Gloucester, out in you know, it's, it's yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's spectacular, you know. And then you can also go to um, you know, you can go to rent some. Um, you know, you can rent some canoes and some paddle boats and things like that and go out on the on the water yourself. But just be really careful. We've had a lot of very, very, very high waves recently, uh, and people have to be very careful when they come to the Monterey Peninsula because everybody's trying to get a selfie, and we have had many people swept out to sea and have died getting oh. selfies. Um, because the waves, for instance, uh, right off of, you know, you're at Spanish Bay, you look out there, um, and uh, the the wave, the that part of the coastline there gets the highest waves, like where um, Bird Rock is. I mean, we've had some forty-foot waves in the last month. Wow. Forty feet. Wow. I mean, huh. that's something you would find up, you know, where they they do the surfing contest there at Maverick. But yeah. we've had you know, some amazing, um, amazing uh, uh, waves. But another place, a really cool place for people to go to see some cool gardens and things is Earthbound Farms. You know, Earthbound Farms. You know, see Earthbound Farms. Um, things, yeah. uh, in grocery stores and so forth. Well, the original Earthbound Farm is only a couple miles out. You get on, on Carmel Valley Road, just, just past Quail Lodge. So, um, 
you know, their found farms right there is just a great place. You can go in and get, get things to eat and so forth. But kids can go out. They've got really cool gardens for them to go through and things for them to play in. They've made some mazes out of it. And you can also do, um, you can get, see how you, you can get the clothes on and do beekeeping. They've got a beekeeper there. So you can actually, my sister and I did that. We, we got all the stuff on and we learned how to beekeep. So it's kind of fun. But, you know, I wanted to get to all the golf courses. You know, on the peninsula, people come. Well, we yeah. try to, we, you know, we try to keep golf to a minimum on 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 here. You know, we w- we wouldn't want to overload people with golf. Uh, well, but it's so much to do. Well, they know about the golf course. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Many people know about all this stuff. I mean, there's just and another, you know, fun thing to do. You know, is just to drive the 17 mile drive. Or, I mean, if you get a bike, a bicycle, and you do the 17 mile drive, be really careful because people are not watching the road when they're driving, and people. Yeah. Um, bikes and it's pretty narrow in spots but if you're out there you know out by spanish bay and that whole you know past monterey peninsula and that whole line um, along the coast there that's a nice place to walk and to ride bikes and so forth i saw there was, place to run too. there was a big uh uh rock slide again down on on highway one right like south down in well, down yeah, just south of, yeah just south of garapata so actually, you can get all the way down, which is another thing for everybody to do is go down to Big Sur. You can actually get all the way down to Big Sur right now. This is a little bit south of Big Sur, but yeah, one lane went, you know, slid, and then boom, we lost the second lane. So it's completely the roads are gone. So that's going to take that's going to take uh, six months for them to at least fix that. But at least you can get down to the little town of Big Sur. Big Sur, you can go to Ventana, you can go to Nepenthes, Post Ranch, which is mm-hmm. amazing. Um, all that is open right now. Uh, outdoor though, still, you know, outdoor dining, but you know, eventually all this is going to change. Do you have cabin fever right now? Just trying, like, are you, are you bursting at the seams to, to start traveling again and just Um, getting back out there? Yeah. You know, some of my, you know, it's been pretty much New Zealand's been pretty well closed down. I couldn't even go there if I wanted to right now and other places. And so, um, I actually uh, just went through uh, re- right. It was a perfect time to do it. Last year, I had to put my my uh, name in the queue with my doctor. I got right right knee replacement surgery, so I'm recovering from that. So, uh, which is fine. And um, so, I'm just getting back back into everything uh, coming up here now. So it was a perfect time to do it. And la- you know, and actually, silver lining of last year. Um, well, silver lining of getting my knee done is I lost 20 pounds, which I needed to lose. So that was good. <laughs> but, but it's just, um, just being at home and being able, when I went up to the San Lucia preserve where I'm, a, where I'm a member, um, there's 20,000 acres up there and unbelievable number of, um, redwood groves mm-hmm. and thousand to 1500 year old oak trees. I mean, unbelievable. And the wildflowers last spring, were incredible and I did uh, it was one of the places I could go because we really were pretty much confined to our home and from where I live I could just go the back road and go up to the preserve and I photographed for like a month with my drone photographing all these wildflowers it was spectacular and it was just great to get out and we our golf course was actually open for a while but then they closed things down but um, it was just an incredible time and I'd never had that much time to be able to do all that. So yeah. there was a lot of silver lining to it. Two questions for you. Um, on my end, what uh, favorite, favorite winery 
up in Carmel Valley, Santa Lucia Highlands? Um, well, favorite wine or favorite place favorite, to go? Favorite vineyard or winery? Well, as you're coming out in the valley uh, on your right, um, you're going to see Folktail. And Folktail um, is um, it's kind of neat because the way they do their, uh, their serving, you know, when you're tasting, is you don't have to just go up to a bar and stand there. You, you actually sit down outside the table, and they actually serve you your wine, and you can get meal, you know, you can get some cool, like, tapa-type food. And it's just a beautiful place. And you can actually bring your kids there, too, and the kids, they've got all these fun things for the kids to do outdoors. And they also have music there um, as well. And it's just a really cool cool place to go uh, on the weekends. And I would advise people to go early uh, on the weekends because the place fills up. But that is like a couple miles. It's, I think it's a, like the four-mile marker as you're going out Carmel Valley. And if okay. you go further out to the village, um, in Carmel Valley Village, uh, you're going to find Joris Winery, which uh, is um, right across the street is their um, restaurant, which is which is called uh, Corkscrew. Mm-hmm. And you can actually get a pizza brought over to Joris Winery, and you can sit outside there and have the pizza. But Joris Winery, it's, just, it's really great wine, and um, uh, Corkscrew is, is very, it's, it's kind of like a little European place when you sit outside. It's just gorgeous. It reminds me of being in Europe. But there are 24 tasting rooms. Bernardus is out there. Um, Joyce. Uh, Joyce, J-O-Y-C-E, is a fabulous place to go. They've got a lot of outdoor entertainment. They've got food there, uh, all these various wineries in the same place. You can sit outside. Um, it's just a great place to go. That's in the village. And then there are all these little boutique uh, wineries all around. And then there's a place called Cowgirl. Um, Talbot is there, but Cowgirl Winery. And that's um, part of Joris, one of their uh, spinoffs. But you sit out there, and they've got the chickens and the whole nine yards, and it's, it's all a, a cow, a cowboy, cowgirl kind of motif uh, when you go inside, and all kinds of cool things that you can buy. But it's just a fun place for people to go, and a lot of people don't realize that the Appalachian that's there, Monterey County, <clears throat> the wines that are in Monterey County um, have have ra- been rated in the top ten in the world in the last several yeah. years uh, by all these top. Uh, Wine Spectator and all these other magazines, and people, you know, they always go to Napa, Sonoma, Russian River, all that, not realizing that we've got unbelievable wines uh, in the Monterey uh, uh, area. There's various Appalachians, but yeah. that Monterey area, and Carmel also has some uh, a lot of tasting rooms have popped up recently in in the in the town of uh, Carmel by the Sea. And then. Uh- Second question for you: The Walker Cup is at Cypress Point in 2025. Are you are you planning on covering that, or do you have any relationship oh, I, with the USGA still, maybe, or is it maybe I'll probably just go and, and, and just walk it. Yeah. <laughs> not sure how that'll cover it, but uh, uh, boy, that was fun in '81. That's great. It's coming back in uh, in uh, 2025. Of course, the U.S. Open for the women is 2023. I think at Pebble. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Which is what yeah, a great. Can we have you power rank the golf courses as you know last thing before we before we let you go? Well, I mean, I got a power rank Pebble. I mean, it's just how can you not? So you're putting Pebble, Pebble above above Cypress? Well, I mean, the, uh, okay. 
historically, historically, look at the number of opens they've had there and the number of events they've had there and the fact that, that every person can go there if they can afford it, you know, as a, as a uh, bucket list, of, you know, event. Um, you know, they've, it's just it's such an unbelievable place and not very few people that could ever, you know, be able to have the opportunity to step foot on Cyprus. And uh, other than driving down 17 mile drive and looking out over you know, the fence there and seeing 15 and some of those other, you know, one and two and those holes, but, um, they can't, you know, they can't get on, um, Cyprus, but Cyprus is unbelievable. It's no question about it. it's my favorite, favorite golf course. But as far as, you know, um, Pebble Beach is, is right there as, as one of my all-time favorites. There's no question about it. But I'd have to power rank that because it's just what historically and how great the golf course is. And it all depends. I mean, I just, I just love the winter at Pebble. When you get, when you get these waves coming in there um, and we get this king tide, which we just had about a week or so ago, and the waves are coming in and hitting that wall on 18. Yeah. And those waves are they're coming in at 25 feet. They hit the wall and they spray up about 40 to 50 feet. That is killer. And you're down on seven, you're playing the part three, and you're on the green, and those waves are hitting that rock on the other side of the green, and the green just shudders, you know, from the power, the pure power of that. I mean, it's one of the coolest places where you can be that close to Mother Nature and just be part of it. Sometimes with these big storms at Pebble, that water comes over onto the 18th green when they're playing. So, they, you know, they got to spray that down and get that salt water off. It, oh, all right. So then, so then after that, I know, I mean, it sounds like you've, you spent a lot of time at Spyglass, but are you putting, where are you slotting in Monterey Peninsula short course, the uh, dunes okay, course? Sorry, I, changed, yeah. I, I, I went sideways. Well, like, give um, us a top five at least. <laughs> I, I think you got to give okay, us a top I five. Say, uh, I would say, um, you know, Peb, uh, Cypress, Pebble, um, I'll just put Monterey Peninsula, two courses just together. Okay. So that's three. Um, I would actually say um, uh, uh, Spyglass and San Lucia Preserve, where I'm a member. Um, top five. Is that five? Yeah, it's five, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's five. Yeah. I thought Pacific yeah, Grove might. I thought Pacific Grove thought, or Bayonet or Black Horse. Yeah, I, thought, or, I, thought, I, thought yeah might... I mean, they're, they're in there, but I mean, just the pure pure beauty of the, the San Lucia Preserve and the whole experience is just second to none. So it's something you guys got to, okay, I'm, Put the invite out there. I'll take you up there, so you can see that. Um, and it's a Fazio golf course. Um, it was actually done with, by Michael Paulette and, and Tom Fazio, but but that is just unbelievable. Bayonet Black Horse, unbelievable two tests of golf. Hard. And they've done a yeah. fantastic job over there, um, clearing out those trees, thinning all that out. Golf course is spectacular, and they've you know they've really upped their game. It's it's a great test of golf. someday What's... I hope they'll be able to get it get the hotel there that's been laid it for quite a long time what's the worst the what's the worst course out there <laughs> why, why would i say that <laughs> yeah, they're all great oh they, actually that cute little um the, the uh the uh naval postgraduate school course is kind of cute um i am it's the nine hole course you know if you're a, a military veteran or whatever you can play it it, it kind of wraps around they just redid it and that's really cute okay that might be the I mean, why say it's the worst? It's just a little yeah. nine hole course. Well, something's got to uh, be a lot the of worst. Enjoy playing it. Yeah, I mean, not terrible. To say that. <laughs> but PG Muni, I mean, PG Muni was a great little golf course to play. Yeah, unbelievable. It's I actually, I love the front nine there too. It's so funky yeah. and weird. It's, yeah, I have yeah. a blast yeah. on that front nine. Um, yeah. 
have they finished the par three course at uh I know Tiger uh, and, and Bo Welling are redoing grow, that, right? Growing in. It's all finished. It's growing in. So I'm not I don't know exactly when the date will be um sometime this summer, I'm sure. It's growing in. It looks really good. It looks really nice. Awesome. Uh, they they finished they finished all that before the heavy rains and so forth. We haven't had that heavy a rain except about a week or so ago. We need we need a lot of rain. Pebble Beach is going to be in great shape this week. I mean, my God, so interesting because it'll be the first time those guys are playing, you know, with no no stands, and um, they do have some wraparound um, banners, you know, like AT and T banners and things up around some of the greens. But um, there's just, you know, they just have the um, the stands, you know, above, you know, for the for the cameras above mm-hmm. above the greens and so forth. But no no fans this year. No, unfortunately. No fans, no no uh, pro am, and no um, celebrities. Yeah, I'm super curious to see how they cover it on TV, and then and then also how they set the course up differently, not having to worry about the amateurs and pace of play as much. Oh yeah, pace of play is going to be yeah. fast. That's going to be crazy. Yeah. So, but they're not playing MTCC, I don't think. Yeah, just, just yeah, just the two, just courses. two courses. Yeah, right. And 36 uh, hole cut good. instead of 54. Yeah. So, um, but no, I was I was just over. I still have my PO box at Pebble, so I go over there all the time. But um, I just was looking over the other day before I came up here, and the golf course looks fantastic. I mean, it looks great. You know, they've had very limited play because um, the lodge has been closed, so the golf course has basically had a lot of local play, which is actually really good. Um, uh, still, a lot of locals have been able to play it, but it's it's just in superb shape. It should be look. It should be great, and we're supposed to have. Supposed to have good weather, I believe, for the tournament. So it should work out well well on TV. Biggest yeah. lesson I have from from this whole conversation is that like having a PO box in in Carmel or Pebble sounds like the sounds like the center of the maze. That sounds like the the social epicenter of the entire coast there. Oh, it is. It's a great place also to meet and see people at the post office. Yeah. Um, I've had my pot box there. Since I lived in Pebble, so I just had it forever, so I've just kept it, um, and uh, it works out great. But um, no, I mean, I, I you know, it's funny. I, you know, I've lived there all these years, and a lot of times I'll go out from the post office and I'll just drive along the coast. I just pinch myself every time I go. It's so beautiful, and it's like, God, I'm so fortunate to be able to see this. I mean, you know, you just drive out along Drive by Cypress and drive along that coast and see the waves, and it never gets old. Put it that way, it just never gets old. Yeah, such a beautiful place. So. Well, Joanne, thank you. I I I, I want to officially nominate you for uh, the Chamber of Commerce or <laughs> any type of tourism board in the area. Uh, this was fantastic. Uh, thank you so much. I could have done more. We could have talked for like two more hours. A whole bunch of notes. Well, <laughs> they, they 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 go to Pebble every year. I was gonna say yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll have to do round it'll, two it'll sometime. An, it'll be an annual okay, podcast with you. Well, that's super that's fun. Well. Say uh, say hi to Mr. Solomon, and uh, and uh, you guys have, have really been fun to talk to you. Thanks and thanks for thinking of me. I have to tell Mr. Shipnick thank you for putting my name in the hat. Yeah, absolutely. And and I did want to mention, uh, folks, if there's anywhere you have a website, Joanne Dost, J O A N N D O S T dot com. I know yeah, people can. And I al- yeah, exactly. And I also have a phenomenal book called The Ultimate Round: Pebble Beach Golf Links. Uh, 
called an illustrated guide to America's majestic dream course. And anybody, it's for sale at the golf shop, but you can go on my website and get it. And it's just a super book about all about Pebble Beach, all about the golf course. It's kind of a very banded, um, comprehensive uh, golf book. And a lot of my friends have, uh, have um, written in here about all the various holes, people from the tour, and um, Jim Nance wrote um, a little bit in here um, for me. And uh, it's, a, it's just a great book. And we've done very well with, with the book. Uh, Jim Na- uh, Dodson wrote an yeah, introduction, but it's got a lot of photographer's notes, you know, about how I took the photos of all these various holes. It's a great book, and it sells for $40. So super for Father's Day, super for birthdays or anytime and also it's a great book for people that haven't played there before and want to have a review of the golf course mm-hmm. before they get there so yeah, it's, it's uh you know the website www.joannbost.com perfect perfect i would yeah. uh it's you, you have a great website and um yeah you can people can browse through a lot of your work uh it's it's just a Really, really cool, really pretty uh, shots there. So, Joanne, thank you so much for joining us. You know, enjoy enjoy Pebble Week in on the peninsula, and uh, we'll we'll talk again soon.